Please now hear the reading of the Word of God. We're in the book of Numbers now. We've been in the book of Exodus for a while. We're studying the life of, or some facets of the life of Moses. And the story of Exodus took us all the way from the uh, land of Egypt to Mount Sinai. And now the book of Numbers takes us further than that. It's actually in the Hebrew called in the wilderness, which is the opening phrase of the book in the language, instead of the book of Numbers. Something about the book of Numbers makes you think it's an old-fashioned Ma Bell telephone book or something, but, but it's really in the wilderness, and it tells the story of what all happened in the wilderness, including the episode we find today. So hear now the word of the Lord. Numbers chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. And so Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. At the end of 40 years, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel by the wilderness of Haran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they said to them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However... The people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the son of Anak, who from the land of Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we have died in the wilderness, Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb says, who were among those who have spied out the land? tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people in the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones, 
But the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me, and how long will they not believe in me? The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, did you find the drama in the passage? Here we have an amazing thing. This is the second great provocation. Israel provoked the Lord at the foot of Mount Sinai with the worship of the golden calf. That was a denial of who God is. They worshiped that pagan Baal idol instead of the true and living God that had just delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. This is the second provocation. They have moved from Sinai over to the very southern edge of the land of Canaan. They're in that south country. They're right there on the edge at this beautiful oasis there in the desert by the name of Kadesh. And from there, the Lord tells Moses to send spies into the land. And I believe the reason the Lord told him to send spies into the land is he wanted them to just have a little bit of a preview of what it was worth. In fact, the spies went about 220 miles. They went all the way to the north, north of Damascus, the modern city of Damascus in in, uh, uh, Syria. They went all the way north and then they came back. And then they took side trips. And you noticed in the report they told about who was living, the Nations that were living in the north, the nations that were living in the hill country, they're in the southern central part of the land. And then the nations that were living on the coastal plains of the Mediterranean, and the nations that were living on the uh, side of the Jordan, in the Jordan River Valley, which are roughly the, the borders of the great land of promise, the land that God said, it's full of milk and honey. I promised it to Abraham when Abraham was camped there at Hebron. The Lord promised him the land. And now, several hundred years later, generations later, they are now going into the land to possess it as the Lord had promised it to them. And really, I can see that the Lord wanted them to just have a preview. So they selected leaders from each tribe, each of the 12 tribes, a a, a young man who was vigorous enough to be able to make that that long uh, journey, and they launched out into this investigation, and it took them about 40 days. It's interesting the number of things that take 40 days in the Bible, isn't it? Or 40 years or 40-something. It's interesting when you come to the life of Christ, when he launched his ministry, he was in the wilderness 40 days. And he is assuming the identity and the life and the the, the, uh, uh, feelings and the empathy of his people in his lifely experiences our Lord did. But back here in the story, we find that they've come to the land and the spies go in and the spies look it over and the spies come back. And the spies have a report that they're going to give and they report honestly. The majority report, 10 spies said, well, they all said, it's a land of flowing with milk and honey. It's a wonderful land. The orders that Moses gave them, which we didn't read there in chapter 13, was go into the land and find out if the people are strong or weak. Find out if there are many of them or few of them, if they're rich or they're poor. Find out if the land is good land or bad land. 
And good land, by the way, is land that can, that can accommodate just about any kind of agricultural enterprise. You've got to have fertile land for fields. You've got to have arid land for vineyards. You have to have beautiful pasture land for flocks. So a good land will have that whole array of variety of types of land and topography that will sustain a thriving, prosperous nation. The United States of America has that. God bless America. Israel found that when they got to Canaan. That's the way Canaan was laid out. Canaan was a, was a beautiful land with a variety. It had rivers all flowing off of large mountains, all accumulating into the Jordan River Valley and it bringing forth a good stream. Uh, free springs, cool springs at various places all over the place. Uh, water tables such that when Jacob had dug wells, those wells were still in existence when God's people go back into the land or when they're going back into the land. I mean, it's wonderful. They've been out of Egypt now for maybe about two years and they've come through Sinai and they've done all of that. They've organized and they've learned to fight. Joshua, their general, has taught them to fight. He, he led them in the first battle they had when they got out of Egypt. And so there's just a lot of things that's already in prime to go. I mean, God's will is ready to be done. But this is the second provocation. And the second provocation is disobedience. The first one is when people don't believe that God is who he is. And the second great provocation is when we don't obey the Lord's will and do what he tells us to do. And Israel provoked God in both ways. This is the second provocation. This is a provocation of rebellion, a provocation of disobedience. And Caleb and Joshua gave a minority report, and the minority report was kind of interesting. They said in the report, God's promised this land. He's already given it to us. It's not like the Lord saying, go up and fight, and if you win, you get it. If you don't win, you lose it, or you don't conquer it. That wasn't the proposition. God had already given them the land. This is what God's grace is. It goes beforehand and provides everything we need for salvation and everything else. The good grace of God had already given them the land. All they had to do was to believe it and seize it and obey the Lord and watch the Lord just hand it over to them lot by lot, allotment by allotment, territory by territory, province by province. But they said, it's a good land, but it's just too well fortified. The cities are fortified. The cities are strong. The people are big. They're tough. In fact, it's interesting how they exaggerated a little bit. They said this land devours itself. No, it didn't. That land was a very prosperous land. That land was on the, the road of the great fertile crescent that led from Mesopotamia to Egypt. It was a prosperous land. It already had a highway on the west coast that was an incredible thoroughfare. These people were in a position to be middlemen. This was a land that was wealthy. Now, it did have some pretty savage, savage tribes there, but then again, all the ancient tribes were savage. And the Lord had promised it to them. But the thing that Caleb said is, do not rebel against the Lord. Don't say we can't go. Don't say we won't go. In fact, the people, it was worse than that. They said, we wish we'd have never even come this far. 
We wish we'd have stayed in the land of, of, of Egypt. That's what they said last time they provoked God. There's something about going back to the pleasures of sin for a season. That's what the book of Hebrews says Egypt was. It was the day where Moses rejected the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin is pleasurable for a season. And when that season up, it is bitter. And we face the judgment of God for our sins. And the people had forgotten the whole delivery. Notice the complex that's, that's involved here. The people listen to the reports. They can believe either report they want. And they believed the bad report. They believed the report from the majority. They did not believe the dissenting report, the minority report which was the one that was in line with the purposes of God. God has a purpose and a plan. And when you're in line with that through a yielded heart and obedience, then God's ready to give you the land, to give you that which he has set out for you and to fulfill all of his promises. But the people were spiritually so downgraded that they didn't recognize any of this. There's an interesting thing in here. It said that when Joshua and Caleb were pleading with them over here in the latter part of our text in chapter 14, he says, do not rebel against the Lord. The Lord will give it to us. In other words, it wasn't he was calling for obedience. He was crying out against disobedience. And this was an emotional time. You notice how the people grieved and they wept and Moses and Aaron rent their clothes. This is grief. This, is, this was a horrible low point in the moral and spiritual life of Israel. In fact, this was when Israel had walked away from God. It was back on the edge of the pits of hell. They had moved away from their God. They had lost their faith. They were absolutely about to just completely lose everything. and But for the grace of God, they would have. But you know, our God is a gracious God. And he, we don't have it in this text today, but he did the same thing he did back in the golden calf. He restored. He forgave. He, he tempered his punishment. And he said, I'm still going to accomplish my purpose. Which, by the way, you know the whole story of the Old Testament. He did. He brought them into the land. He established the great kingdom. He did all those things. He brought the Messiah, their king, out of that great land. That is the determination of the purpose of God. Our problems are not with God. Our problems are with ourselves, isn't it? Here's our whole problem. We see ourselves the way these poor Israelites did. And I'll give it to you kind of vividly. We seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. We seem puny and pathetic and how big is a grasshopper's brain? <laughs> you know, we seem like grasshoppers. And that happens to us when we lose sight of our great God and his great provision. We get a, a low self-esteem at least. We get down to where we can't even see the mercies of God. And here's the mercies of God in this passage. It's found here in what Caleb was said. Caleb when he, and, and Joshua, when they were talking to the people, they said, do not rebel against the Lord. He said, do not fear for their protection is down. Their protection is taken away. Well, if I was a preacher, I'd stop right here and preach. 
This is exactly, this is exactly the key. They were looking at this whole situation through the eyes of the flesh. They were walking by sight and not by faith. Caleb and Joshua could see not just what they could see with their eyes. They could see the big old tall Anak giants. They could see the fortified cities. They could see the same thing that the other men could see. But they could see something better, something different, something more. They could see the spiritual condition. And they could see where God was in this program. And they knew that there was no hedge of protection These men were godly warriors. They were spiritual warriors. They could see beyond the natural and that which is seen, and they could see to that which was unseen, and they could see that this people was weak as they could possibly be because God was not going to protect them. And they were vulnerable. In fact, it looked like an easy take to them. And these strong warriors, Joshua and Caleb, knew they had them. They could see it. But the others couldn't see it. And so what they did was they provoked the Lord. They refused to go in. They rose up against Moses and Aaron, and they rebelled. You know, the Bible references, we saw one reference to it in the 95th Psalm that we all recited as the call to worship this morning. But then there's another reference to it in the New Testament. And let me read it and make the application there, and then I'm done. It comes from the book of Hebrews chapter 3, and this is... A quotation, the writer of Hebrews says, the Holy Spirit says, (laughs) he didn't say David says, he didn't say Moses said, he didn't say Isaiah said or Jeremiah said, it it comes out of David and it comes out of Moses, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking. That's just a little side note there that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and that men wrote as they were born along by the Spirit The Spirit of God blew upon their sails and moved the vessel where it needed to be so that what got written was what God wanted said. That's how God's inspiration works upon the human authorship. That's that's free. This, This is the text. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And it's referring to this rebellion we just had Uh, as our story this morning on the day of testing in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years therefore I provoked with that generation I was provoked with that generation and said they shall always go astray in their heart they have not known my ways and so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest and then the writer makes the application Take care, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The word to us in the Christian community continues. For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original confidence, firm to the end. As it is written, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And listen to these questions. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, 
whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they are unable to enter in because of unbelief. If you don't enter into the kingdom of God, if you don't enter into salvation, if you don't enter into Christ, if you don't enter into heaven one day and enjoy the bless of an eternal state with Him, if you don't enter into it, it's because of unbelief. It's because of unbelief. Dear folks, hear and obey. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.